digging in the crates for something, yeah. Hidden gems often misunderstood. Cause you know there's no such thing as too much. Welcome back to the show. This week, another conversation with my friend Kristen, which we recorded about a month ago. This was actually the first one we did before I released those other ones. But we talked about perfectionism and what that means, what it is, how we define it, um, and whether or not there's anything we can do about it. Like everything else, it is a continuous process. And uh, I don't know. We'll see how we're doing in like a year or two or 10. It was a lot of fun. So, I hope you guys enjoy it too. Here it is. Okay. We're rolling. You don't have to talk yet, though. I'm going to start the clock. 40 minutes, as you should know, right? It's not up there. I'm still working out (laughs) all these kinks. It's very professional. I'm getting there. Hey, if you don't start, then you never get there. That's true. Those 10,000 hours. Yeah, so I've put in about 10. (laughs) So I'm on my way. So close. Okay, here we go. Countdown started. Not on my phone this time, so there won't be an alarm, I don't think. Um, Kristen. Hello. Um, Hello. First question. I'm just going to really kick it off quick here i'm ready you're a perfectionist yes that wasn't a question but that's that's leading to a question okay (laughs) but thank you for the answer (laughs) what made you realize that i actually did not realize until this past year when my My. therapist called me that oh never i didn't think i was i mean i thought i just had anxiety you've known me for like what 16 years or something like that yeah and you never thought that you were doing things no. that were the same as me no did you think i was doing things that were the same as you maybe you didn't like vocalize it maybe you didn't say yeah no i i just thought i had, had anxiety and then my most recent therapist kept bringing up this idea of perfectionism and i was like oh oh this makes sense what brought it up though like what had you done Oh, what did bring up? I don't know, like everything. Oh, because I was talking about anxiety around work and like being the best worker and doing my best job, like being afraid if I did 99% instead of 100, that everything would come crashing down. And has it? No. No, because it doesn't matter. And because I'm always at 100. No. Oh. That's not true. And you should stop (laughs) striving for that. Honestly. (laughs) If we're all at a hundred percent all the time, then what are we like? What are we trying to get to? I know. No, I'm not at one hundred percent all the time. No, I'd say you sit right at like seventy six. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> On like a good day, you're like mid to high seventies. I think I'm a ninety two. All right, hey, you got your number down? I don't know. It sounds right. Yes, ninety two feels good. Yeah. It's like an A, so is people that, are impressed by you. It's like an A minus, so I still got to sleep. Yeah. Is 92 still an A minus? Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I've been in school in a long time. Okay. I was in school forever. Yeah, you're still sort of in school. I am you're... still in school because <laughs> I work out of school. <laughs> you just can't get away. I can't. Um, so, well, tell me, I know, but the very few people that are listening do not know about your background. Oh, and how it pertains to my perfectionism? Yeah, maybe, you know, I'm most interested in the creative part, but um, if it came out more, like, where, where did it, where did that come out the most is it at work or is it like in your creative projects was it I explain what do you what do you do what, what do, do i do, do you, what, what i do what do you do it definitely comes out in my work because my work is very logical i work with math and science and i code so the code has to run right and um it has to be commented right and there's a lot of nuance and then with my art it became a real problem because if it's not perfect if i'm not good why am i selling why am i trying it should i start on the next project and then it would cause me tons of anxiety and i would feel invalidated and then i would just stop doing anything at all well i mean any art at all yeah because you felt like it wasn't worth it yeah and i felt like anything i made wouldn't be good and so i can't make anything unless it was going to be perfect and did you ever feel like you got to that point did you ever make anything where you were like that's perfect no isn't that weird yeah because you always think you're going to get there yeah you don't never do no you fix one thing and then you come back and like that, but like now I could fix that thing. Exactly. It's never ending. Yeah. I used to go around in circles for days and weeks and just think I'd have this list of things that I need to fix on a video, mm-hmm. knock them all off. And I feel accomplished. Cause I'm like, yeah. look at that whole list of things I fixed. I made better. Mm-hmm. And then I watch it again and have a whole new list. I'm like, where I, this is never going to stop. Never. Cause it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. But you see everywhere where it isn't perfect. Yeah. And you need somebody else to tell you to let it go. Oh, God, yeah. But it's also obnoxious because you go, you don't know. You don't know why it's not good. Yeah. Why are you telling me it's good? It's not good. You're not in my shoes. Yeah. And why are you trying to make me put something into the world I'm not proud of? Yeah, I hate it. And now I hate you because you're telling me to do something I don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, is that correct? Yeah, I'm like, you're trying to cheapen my name. <laughs> you want me to be okay with mediocrity. So how do you, how do you overcome that then? Um, a lot of it actually was self-validation. I realized that perfectionism comes from being raised with a narcissistic parent and being constantly criticized as a child. Everything I do needed to be perfect so that they could maintain their homeostasis. Um, but that I don't need that survival skill anymore. And if I validate myself instead of looking for parental validation, then that will start to melt away. Do you think that's true of everyone, though? Well, I think people get it from different areas, but I do believe that self-validation will um, not cure, but help people cope with mental illness a lot better for just about anyone. You know, maybe not if you're, like, seeing people. Right. Yeah, if you're hallucinating. But I guess it could send you down the right path. <laughs> if, you, like, if you have a good view, <laughs> view of yourself, I mean. Or you're seeing nicer people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just having a good view of who you are is probably helpful for anyone, whether you have mental illness or not. Yeah. Or just trusting your own instincts. But I know I never totally will. Never? No, that's like, uh, I was telling you earlier, I've just, I know I'm a perfectionist. I know I'm always going to want it to be better. And I've just learned to live with disappointment. Oh my God. No. Because 
but I'm, I'm also okay with it because that I think that is what's allowed me to get better because I can always see what the problems are but I also know what I like it's not that I don't like the things that I do or that I make it's mm-hmm. just you'll always see the problems oh yeah and I don't know that that's something to get over or to change I think it's just the way it is yeah I'll always see it I'll see the issues with it and those are times when I have those thoughts that I have to say everyone is human everyone's always going to feel that way even if they're not a perfectionist so me feeling that way doesn't mean that i'm giving into a mental illness it just makes me human but are you calling perfectionism a mental illness because i don't like it (laughs) i don't know if it's like diagnosed but or is it like part of a, a bigger problem i don't know i would say it's probably part of anxiety i feel like my any perfectionism in me is like part of obsessive compulsive disorder like or an extension of it or yeah and i wonder if i have that what are your symptoms let's figure it out right now i'm gonna diagnose you i have no medical training just so everyone's aware (laughs) uh like the constant overthinking the perfectionism the like going over things a thousand times from all the different angles and feeling like i have to do it completely right in order for things to not fall apart like I'll go around my house and like move everything like an eighth of an inch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you ever, um, do you ever spiral where you think, well, you've, you've told me this. If you, you think if I didn't do this, this could cause this. And then that, Oh, the dominoes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, I hate to tell you, I'm not, again, I'm not a doctor, but <laughs> you might want to, <laughs> you might want to talk more about it with a professional. You know, I had a therapist. She's fine with me. I'm doing good. But did you ever talk about, did you ever bring up OCD? No, but I mean, therapists aren't really supposed to diagnose you, right? Are they not? What, what are they, what are they there for? No, they're there for like, psychiatrists or psychologists. Psychiatrists, I think, and psychologists can diagnose you and therapists are there for therapy. Like you would go to physical therapy, but the physical therapist isn't going to say. Psychologist is a therapist. You tore your ACL. They can be. I mean, mine is. Not all of them are. Sometimes they're counselors. No, a counselor is like a, to me, a counselor is like a untrained psychologist. It's like a lower level. Correct me if I'm wrong here. That's how I look at it. Like if you're a counselor, then you like, you don't have the training that a psychologist does or psychiatrist. It's just like, it's a person that's on that spectrum, but they're right. But they're on the bottom of it. I mean, I don't want to be, but I, I think that's it where it's like, they, they don't have the training to treat certain things. Yeah. I think labeling what I have with a therapist is not what's important. I think learning the coping mechanisms and working on myself is the important part of that. So it doesn't bother me to not bring it up. Really? You don't want to know like what you don't want to put a name to any of it. Cause I love to, Oh, I used to. And like, if I get sick with something, I'm the person that's like on the internet for 10 hours, just that's dive, different, diving though. deep, but I want to name everything. If you name it, you can deal with it. I just want to put a name to what's wrong with me so I can, if I have to, I can explain it. I want to take one of those $800 tests where they ask you a bunch of questions and you do like an ACT and they give you a full diagnosis of everything. Are you talking about the Scientology test? Because they will do that for you. Yeah, where they see whether or not you're compatible with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I took one of those tests. (laughs) In like 2005, I had no idea it was Scientology. There's a Scientology test? Yeah. What is it? It was, it was just like a, just a lot of questions. I think it was multiple choice and it was like, how do you react in this situation? It was just, it was a personality test. Was it a job interview to see whether or not you're susceptible to lies? I don't know. I had no idea it was happening. I was in California. We were on the walk of fame. Oh my God. 
me, Nick, Calvin. We're walking. And then it was like one of those things. They're standing outside the store and they're like, hey, do you want to take, uh, I think they said personality test, free personality test. I don't know that I wanted to do it. Calvin probably talked us into it. So we went in, <laughs> took forever. Yeah. And then once we got our results, they tried to sell us books based on the results. Dude, don't do, don't talk to anyone on the Hollywood It wasn't Boulevard. my idea. Calvin's kind of a wild card. But he, well, he bought a book. Of course he did. I had no idea until after we left there that it was Scientology. I barely knew what it was. <laughs> Even though when we walked in there, all the TVs had Tom Cruise on it giving a speech. <laughs> you were like, wow, they really love Top Gun. Yeah, I was like, what a fun bookstore this is. This is weird. Huh, Hollywood's funny. You know what, though? Scientology has some good ideas. Right? Like what? Because I think... The basic idea of it, if you're on the if you're just starting out, the whole point okay. of it is to like understand yourself better. I thought it there was like a volcano or a lizard involved. There, or something. there is like there it gets real weird once you okay. get the higher levels okay. when they like unlock these secrets. But at the beginning, and I, I think this is why so many people get into it because it is about under understanding yourself more and your issues mm-hmm. and like looking inward. From what I've read, so that the lizard's happy with you. Yeah. Which is like any religion, right? So it's like, <laughs> it's really not that crazy until you get into like the higher levels and the weird, like, you've seen the documentaries, right? No. Oh, you should watch the documentaries. So what you're crazy. saying is join Scientology, but leave it like level three. No, actually I'm saying there's a, the book that started the whole thing, I believe is still, it's like respected. By whom? Uh, L. Ron Hubbard. No, I mean, who respects it? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't have any proof of that. But no, when, when that book came out, people oh, yeah. really liked it. It was, it was like a self-help book. But then that turned into the whole Scientology oh. thing. So if you were to just get that book, it actually might be helpful. Okay. Did they tell you what your personality was? Yeah, I don't remember. Oh. I think they said something about loser. Or <laughs> something like that. Beard isn't good enough. I didn't have a beard back then. Yeah, it wasn't good enough. Oh, yeah. They're like, you should try to grow one. And you did. Here we are. And we're getting off topic here, but not really. I Fine. Mean, that's, that's sort of about that's sort of about mental health or whatever. Um, perfectionism. Perfectionism. Which we don't have to stay on that the whole time. Being perfect. It's a good jumping off point. Yeah. Do you think that, um, is it just with your work or is it in other parts of your life that you feel? Oh, no. I think we've talked about with relationships you want the relationship to be perfect you want the other person to be perfect i'm the opposite where i accept that the relationship is not perfect i accept that the other person isn't perfect but i have to be perfect in the relationship that's that's even crazier than what i'm asking for i know and like if the relationship is not going well and the other person's being the worst i'm the problem to me like i should have tried harder i need to do something like I internalize it. Mm. It's very unhealthy. I know. Which is, I should also say, yes, no, that's sort of unfair. I don't want it to be perfect. I think that's where I get all messed up though. Yeah. Cause I mean, of course everyone would, ideally you would have the perfect anything in life. It'd be boring. All right. I Don't, don't roll your eyes at me. I'm just, I'm thinking. <laughs> Yes, it would be boring. All right, I don't want I don't want somebody perfect, but I am uh, looking for sometimes things that are unrealistic. But I also don't ask somebody to be that. 
Hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're feeling like you should be better in a relationship. If I'm in a relationship with somebody, I'm also not trying to make them feel like they should be better. Mm -hmm. That's all like inside. That's all whatever I'm thinking. Hmm. That's not what I'm saying to them. That's not, those aren't the conversations we're having. I, I believe that they are good as they are, but I also believe that, no, it's gotta be a better match or it's gotta be better. We need this. And I, uh, it's just, nothing's ever good enough. Can I ask something? If you were with any of the people that you've broken up with now and say like no time lapse. So maybe someone six years ago and now you've been in a relationship for six years. Would you still want to be in those relationships? Do you have any of them that you wish was still ongoing? Like, do you wish you were in a six year deep relationship right now? Hmm. I don't know. Cause I feel like the same things would happen. I don't know how to get away from that. I don't know how to stop thinking like that. Well, I just wonder if you're actually thinking, Oh, this isn't perfect. And you're throwing away good relationships or if they weren't the right, right relationship. It, I think it's both in a way. I think I've been in good relationships where I could have stayed in, but I also know I couldn't stop thinking about not being in a relationship. And that was just not going away. It just yeah. wouldn't go away. Yeah. And I thought this is easier and maybe better for everyone if I just wasn't in it. Oh, so I, I feel like I've been with a, the right quality of woman that I would want, like yeah. good people we have things in common i just i don't know i couldn't do it yeah and at the time i it felt right to get out of it does it still feel right now not all the time but it's really easy i'm single right now so it's really easy to look back and just think about the good times or think about what i liked but mm. i know there were issues or i had issues or good reason for some of them to to not be with them but yeah so it's hard it's hard to say oh i look back at all of mine i'm like oh that was garbage what was i thinking oh i see i don't do that there's been a f well nobody that i've dated for any significant amount of time that i think was like really terrible mine were pretty bad well that's but you have there's reasons for that too though <laughs> yeah i know i think they latched on to my perfectionism and they would take advantage of it so if there's a fight or if I had a problem with them, they would flip the script to where it's on me and I would just buy right into that. God. Yeah. See, that's, mm, you gotta, you gotta stop. Well, that's why I made you adjust my headphones 20 times because I'm asserting my needs now. All right, I'm going to turn it up. No, wait, no, don't do it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, I'm actually just going to Google what. I'm going to Google the definition. Oh my God, my internet's out, so I'm going to use my phone. You're going to Google the definition of perfectionism? Yeah, what do you think it is? Was this like a high school speech where you're like, Webster's Dictionary defines perfectionism as no, J. I don't, I don't talk like that. I'm trying to be myself here. Okay. Okay, that's boring. What would <laughs> define it? Define it. I think perfectionism no, is... No, say it the way you were before. Oh, Webster's Dictionary defines perfectionism as... Well, I have to come up with the perfect definition now. Oh, That's God. a lot of pressure. Okay. Refusal to accept any standard short of perfection, which, yeah. I think it's like a, like an inability to let go of things that are imperfect. Yeah. In psychology, 
it's a personality trait characterized by a person's striving for flawlessness yes and setting high performance standards accompanied by critical self-evaluations and concerns regarding others evaluations yes i agree with that god that's a it's tough it is tough and i realized i talk about in therapy that i feel like i have to be perfect all the time or else i'm not worthy of love which makes a lot of sense that also makes me sad but i think i'm getting past that like i'm starting to be like i'm a badass this is awesome and you're not what what's that look perfect no (laughs) (laughs) not perfect nope you can be a badass and not be perfect actually that's more badass if you're not perfect yeah yeah can you see but you see the beauty in other people's imperfections you just don't want to you you want to be yes perfect yes isn't that weird yeah it is weird because i'm like well i can accept them but can they accept me and can they turns out they can yeah yeah it's crazy right yeah we're all messed up (laughs) because i've been um much better the last few months and um really like self-validating and like letting loose and not caring as much and my social life has gone through the roof people want to hang out with me more now did they not before or you just maybe it was the same and you just didn't couldn't see that maybe i just wasn't saying yes to as much stuff yeah 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 maybe i just couldn't see it before that's true so do you have like um are you what are you doing to to let go of those things a lot of it is uh specifically mindfulness practices to be in the moment instead of like constantly thinking about the past or the future um to really like ground me things to distract my brain like i said earlier a lot of self-validation so talking to myself recognizing the good things and a lot of muscle memory of not being perfect and being okay with it and then just that slow practice build up so it rewires my brain one thing that we did is um every time i have one of those thoughts that tells me something bad or it's not perfect enough i have to learn to recognize it and replace it with another thought so that i'll slowly train my brain to be positive has it worked well yeah. i mean sounds like it has yeah <sighs> it's exhausting though right yeah yeah it's exhausting not anymore eventually it's not when i started the first step was recognizing all of those anxious thoughts and it made me spiral worse for a while because now like they're amplified yeah i um i really like mindfulness anything agreed i told i know i think it was the last time we saw each other i told you about those two books again that i've told you about more than once the happiness trap that you've been trying to shill onto me for like five years i know but that i mean that is what that book is about basically mindfulness and just oh um not getting caught up in trying to get somewhere and just being okay with where you're at Mm -hmm. essentially and then the other one was like a it wasn't necessarily a self-help book. It was just somebody's journey to happiness and and they, they treat it like a project and they did a new thing each month to work towards that. So there were like good things to take away from that, even though it's just one person's experience. It's the idea of it, like deciding February, I'm going to do this. And then March, oh. I'm going to add this onto it. And then, so. Are you doing that? What are you doing? I didn't do it quite like that, but that book 
the, I, I highlighted a bunch of stuff in that book and I gave it to somebody. <laughs> I didn't highlight to give to them, but I let somebody borrow and yeah. I don't have it back now. But, uh, the one thing I took away from that book that I'll never forget is the arrival fallacy. Oh, have I talked to you about that. Or maybe I've heard it on one of your podcasts. I'm sure I've talked about it. I'd probably say it way too much, but it was like, it was one of the best things. Cause I realized I have done that my whole life that, if you, like I just said, the idea that if you get somewhere, you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. If you just graduate high school, you'll be happy. If mm-hmm. you can get through college, you'll be happy. And you just never are. You just yeah, you get yeah. to the next thing and you feel exactly the same. Yeah, and you be happy in the moment with yeah. what you have. Or like be happy in the process. Be happy while you're working towards something. Or just lower expectations, I guess. Yes. So <laughs> that's actually my little like board at work right now it says like the key to happiness is low expectations. And then it says like lower, no lower. <laughs> like there you go when it gets to the bottom. It's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's always next to my computer. Um, I was in my final semester of grad school and I've always been like, you need to have straight A's since I went back to school and I was getting very stressed and I felt terrible. And I thought you've made every decision that's led to here. You're in grad school because you want it to be. You're making A's and doing this homework because you want it to be. No one else is putting this pressure on you. You decide what your life is and you can leave today if you want. So if you make a B, no one cares but you. And do you really care? And I just had this thought. Do you? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thought so. But I just had this thought that I've really embraced lately where my life is mine. And if I'm too upset or anxious about part of it, like fucking tear it down and build something you want to do mm. badass yeah yeah although i don't know that you should tear your whole life down no but you can <laughs> i have like five times <laughs> on purpose or it just like went bad on purpose every one of those times mm-hmm. okay that's good yeah i think um yeah low expectations Maybe just not perfect expectations, like medium expectations. No, I think even if like if your expectation is that you just kind of kind of be fine, mm-hmm. then when you have a good day, it's real good. I know. And when you have a bad day, it's not as bad. I think also, um, I almost died as a toddler. Like I had some disease, and they had to pull stuff out of my face. Ooh. I know. <laughs> Get pictures that you I can have show my, everybody. I have my scar. Oh. Um, I think I've just always realized that life is fleeting and I try to enjoy and be excited about everything. Like it's a miracle that I get to be in a room right now with air conditioning, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that helps me too. Cause sometimes I just have to ground back to that perspective that just existing and being able to experience anything good, bad, perfect, imperfect is amazing. I think I've tried to do more of that. I've not always been like that at all, but that does that makes it easier in a way when you, you you're not happy with the way things are going and then if you can just let go of it and just say that's i don't know that's just the way it is <laughs> right now i don't yeah. i'm not happy or i wish this was different or i wish i was different that's just the way it is right now though it's just temporary yeah that it's all temporary you have a bad day or a terrible project or uh, you meet a terrible person, like it'll all go away. It'll everything yeah. sort of works itself out almost all the time. Yeah. So if you can just ride it out and 
write out the lows and then enjoy the highs. Just it's easy. Yeah, easier said than done. Just do it, Just like Shia LaBeouf says in that one video. Don't mention Shia LaBeouf to me. Why? Because <laughs> you keep sending me that Shia LaBeouf meme. <laughs> I, I, it's a gif. Oh, gif. Damn it. And I send it to everybody, so. Okay, fair enough. Fine. You don't like the Shia LaBeouf gif? No, it's funny. It's everything in his face. Just the whole... It just feels very offensive. No, he's like smiling. Oh, but a smile from Shia LaBeouf could be like weird or evil. He's such a weirdo. I like him a lot. Okay. I do. (laughs) I've heard recent interviews with him. It's really interesting when he talks about fame and like what that did to him and what he thought he was for a long time Hmm. and how he is now. He didn't have the best childhood either. I'm sure. So... He's like come a long way, so it's been interesting to see him as like the kid actor, mm-hmm. and then become a Hollywood star, mm-hmm. and then go like spiral, and then sort of figure out what he actually wanted to do. I can relate to that a lot. See, you're gonna like him even more now. Go watch some interviews with him. I He's, do kind of like him. He is weird. Yeah, but who isn't? Right, not as weird. I think as I think people like try to say. Yeah. He's he's an artist. He's an actor. He's a creative. He's it's eccentric. Just, yes. Yeah. But not all the time. He's like actually seems sort of down to earth. You can be down to earth and eccentric. I mean, I bought candy cigarettes in bulk and I pretend to smoke them when I drive around my car downtown. Why? But I think I'm also down to earth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might not say that while while I saw you smoking candy cigarettes in your car though. Yeah. I might fun. think she's crazy and. I'm going to let her pass by me. Yeah. That's probably what people say. I hope they think they're a real cigarette. And then when they see me eating them, they get really confused. Do you pretend to light it? No. Oh, come on. If you're going to do it, then do it. Like get a matchbook. What if I actually, uh, I should get a matchbook and light it while I'm driving. Yeah. That's dangerous. Or even in the parking lot, you know, you light one up before you start driving. I got to start doing that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. That's the coolest thing, the lighting. Like if you have the matchbook that you got for free at like a hotel or something. Oh, I do have one. Now I want to get a candy lighter that just like shoots like sour goo or something. Well, they're not going to be able to see what's happening there though. No, but I'll still get to have candy. That's true, but it's not, you can't shoot it out onto the. Okay, we'll see. All right. (laughs) You know what? Do whatever you want. I'm going to. Whatever makes your day happy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I could talk about perfectionism all day, but it would just be like stories of being sad about. Oh, isn't isn't that all it is? No. Yeah, it is. No. What is it? Then? Well, I think a lot of stuff that I think was wrong with me, I learned to turn into a tool. So, like, maybe I don't need to buy into this perfectionism and make it cause anxiety, but maybe I recognize my drive to become the best version of myself is a good thing. And so I don't go full into it, but I learn to harness it for good. Yeah. That's where I'm at. But I'm saying, if I just tell stories about the, like how I got there, Oh, it's just sad stories about hating things, which I think everyone's tired of hearing. Yeah. You're so sad. No, I'm not. All your podcasts, I'm just like, I'm going to cry after. Stop. I, <laughs> isn't that, I think it's true. Like if anybody is not that, if they're not a perfectionist, if they don't get it, if they haven't mm-hmm. lived that life, it just sounds like a bunch of people whining about like never being good enough, and, oh. which isn't really what it is. No. But, um, but nobody wants to hear it. Um, what I hate most and everyone who has a mental illness hates this is when people are like, just stop doing that. 
You're like, that sounds nice. Why do you worry so much? Oh, well, I stop. had a terrible fucking childhood, so. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you worry? And you're like, I'm working on it. Yeah. What do you think I'm doing, Barbara? <laughs> I prefer Linda. I prefer that it's a Linda. I like Deborah, actually. Deborah's good. Yeah, because I used to work with a crazy lady named Deborah, so that's my favorite go to. Or like Deb? Deb. That sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those. That's fine. I've just always, I've used Linda for quite a while. Huh. My aunt's name is Linda and she's a lovely woman. I feel like she could also cause some problems though. I don't know. I don't know her. Probably. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer to talk about coping mechanisms. Why? Because it's happier and it reminds me that I should use them and how I've used them and then reinstates this feeling in me that I'm on top of it. All right, I want to leave. I want you to leave here uh, feeling down. So tell me, tell me some more coping mechanisms. My favorite one is this bridge thing. My therapist taught me to be more present. We're like, I'm on a bridge. Underneath it are three railroad tracks. There's three trains, and one is what is happening. One is what I'm feeling, and one is my coping mechanisms. And I'm on top of the bridge. So I can see all these things going through. Like I'm an observer of the present. And if I go into anxiety or bad thoughts or like by my thoughts, then I'm down in that cart of my emotions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Instead of being on the bridge, which it's very funny. She's like, I hate this one. I'm like, I love this one. I use the bridge all the time. I'm like, don't jump into that cart, Kristen. Just stay on the bridge. Because there'll be a new cart in two seconds. I like that. Yeah. I do. Uh, I have a similar one that so there's this guy. I actually really want to get him on the podcast because he'd be fun to talk to. His name's Mark Freeman. He has a YouTube channel. He talks about obsessive compulsive disorder. And he had all these like uh, technique videos that I used to watch. And one of them was to like treat thoughts as clouds. Yeah. That like you see them. They're moving. They're passing by. But you yeah. just like recognize it there's a thought they just let it go <laughs> it looks like a puppy yeah that you don't hold on to it you just let it pass by exactly and that you will you will probably continue to have those thoughts that you just can't latch on to mm-hmm. like my brain is not gonna completely change so you, i just have to change the way i use it right i just don't or interact with it yeah i just don't follow that cloud yeah and that's hard and it, it gets easier but still that there's always a chance to go back to that, but that's, I guess that's why yeah. coping mechanisms are important. I love it. I love all the visuals. My other favorite one is um, there are black and white chess pieces and you imagine they're in a war and the white ones are your good thoughts. The black ones are your bad thoughts. And you, when you're dealing with perfectionism or your negative thoughts, you're one of those chess pieces in the middle of the battle, but you're actually the chess board and you can hold all of these emotions that are battling with each other but just be a complete third party like you're not in it you're just holding all of them i like that yeah it's all inside of you yeah and it's okay to like make room and hold the good thoughts and the bad thoughts just don't get absorbed into them yeah they're just there yeah they're just there okay you sound like a therapist but i like it i've been to so much therapy i know it's great though yeah, that's God. That's the hardest part, though. It's just building up those practices. I know, but 
any any of us really anything that happens in life it's really just about accepting that it's there that it's happening mm-hmm. that almost all of it you can't change if it's already ha- well all of it you can't change if it's already happened I said almost, almost. Says you, I'm gonna build a fucking time machine well that'd be great <laughs> but even then is it worth it like do you want to change the thing that things no. that have already happened well maybe one but no but for the most part like it's probably better that you have yeah. been through what you've been through yeah it's it's like it's so cliche but it's true i mean yeah. what has already happened has made you who you are now and that's a good thing it's not a bad thing yeah how are you supposed to learn anything if you don't deal yeah. with some stuff exactly and i also remind myself all the hard times i've been through all the times i've torn apart my life and built it back up that i did that and i came out fine and i was a badass and then whenever things happen i'm like who cares what the outcome is i already know i can handle it because i handled it before yeah it's yeah. gonna suck maybe yeah but like but it'll be fine it'll be fine yeah probably better than fine that's more empowering to be like yeah it's probably gonna if you do something knowing it's gonna be bad too like if you have a goal and you know it's gonna take a lot to get there to be able to look at it and go it's gonna be hell to get to where i want to go mm-hmm. but i'll be fine i'll like, be fine it. yeah Instead of avoiding it, you just... Just do it. Just charge. Yeah. Fucking grab life by the balls. Yeah. Is is life a male heterosexual? I don't know. I always use say balls, and I realize that's really sexist, and I don't have any. How dare you? Yeah, I know. But I don't know what I'm else triggered, to say. I'm triggered. I'm offended. I'm feeling a lot of things. Okay, well, your I'm emotions are to, yours. I'm trying to accept it. Yeah. I can't change what you've already said. No. And I'm not responsible for how you feel. I feel like in this instance, you might be. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but really, what would life be? Would it be, would it be uh, genderless? Yeah. Just a bunch of electrons. No, oh, I want to put a face to life. No, I like the idea that there's it's this energy. Just energy. Like chaos. And it can mold and shape into different things. But what does the chaos look like? what what human what uh it's not human why would it be human? what person no what human does it look like if it were to look like a human yeah what put a name to the the chaos obviously me i want like a famous person uh all i can think is like like scarlett johansson oh okay i'm fine with that yeah I don't, yeah, I would never be mad at Scarlett Johansson. Exactly. So beautiful, but understanding. See, maybe everyone should put a face to life. So every time you get mad and you get upset, you're like, ah, it's just Scarlett Johansson. It's fine. It's fine. Ours is ScarJo. ScarJo. She's great. Yeah. If I ever talk about life and then I look like I'm just sort of drifting off thinking. She's just like, your pants get a little tight. Like life is, life is great. Yeah. Very true. Life has fantastic boobs. <laughs> so who is, who is life for you? I already told you it's ScarJo. No, you, you choose somebody else. It has to be someone you I lust gave after. Me, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can lust after her. Or like I find her aspirational. She's also a redhead. No, somebody you lust time. after. I don't really like lust after celebrities very often. That's not an answer. Okay. I know there's one I like. You know what? I'm going Mark Ruffalo. Oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah, 
I know they're both Avengers, but that's fine. I like Mark there Ruffalo. There is no rule there. I'm thinking more like Zodiac Mark Ruffalo. Okay. 13 going on 30 Mark Ruffalo. Romantic comedy Mark Ruffalo. Okay. That's, you think that's worse than serial killer movie? Well, he wasn't a, wait, what movie? Zodiac. He wasn't a serial killer in the movie though. No, but it's just kind of a dark movie. He's a, he's a real man, you know, trying to, he was, wasn't he a cop? I don't remember. There's so many people in that movie. They were all doing something in an office. All right. Well, oh, you know what? Who's, who's my, this is the last one. Okay. (laughs) Perfectionism. Which celebrity would you bone? This would be, it had to be like Tom Hanks. Oh, life would be Tom Hanks. Because you feel like if you're not doing well, he's just going to give you a big old hug. Oh, but his disappointed face would just be crushing. But I need it. I need it. And you know, he would only pull it out when he needed to. Pull what out? He's disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just like isolate that? He would. Tom Hanks would only pull it out when he needed to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, his disappointed face. It would be that like, he's like a yeah, very much a father. Yeah. Or like an older brother. Yeah, but like for me, much older. Yeah. He's what sixty now? I don't. Yeah. I bet he's like 53. I'll look it up. We have uh, 23 seconds left in this 40 minutes. What? So. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? You go over all the time. Don't act. I know, but I like to, to let everyone know when it's um, approaching the so, end. So they can just like stop listening right now. Okay. First of all, he's worth $390 million, which he deserves Too every cent of. Too low. Too low. All right. And he's six feet tall. It's perfect. That's terrible. Okay. And you get you guessed fifty three. Yeah. He is sixty three. God. I yeah. got one of the numbers right. A much 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 older brother. Wow, he's old. But he's and he's been married to Rita Wilson since nineteen eighty eight. Isn't that cool? That's the coolest thing. I know. Oh, that's right. Because the eighties, I think the eighties are twelve years ago. So I was thinking how old he was in the birds. He's been married to her for 31 years. They're 30 years ago. But he was also married for almost 10 years before that. Oh. He's a serial monogamist. Yeah, because it was from uh, 1978 to 87. Hmm. It was his first wife. wonder what happened there. He met Rita Wilson. Yeah. Or Rita, whatever her name is. I don't know. Hanks? No, it's Wilson. Dude, do you follow his Instagram? It's a bunch of lost items, and he's like... Lost glove on sidewalk. Someone's hand is cold. Hanks. That's like all it is. That's his whole Instagram? Yeah, it's just like lost gloves and shoes on sidewalks. I'm just sad that I don't know him. It's fine. All right. Okay. We're going to end it here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this recorded. Yeah, it's recording. Okay, good. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thank and, you for um, having me. Yeah. Come back any time. Yes. Oh, Okay tomorrow. I'll be here. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Kristen for coming on. It was another fun conversation about a topic that's uh, not easy, I guess. It's, uh, it's a complicated subject. Really anything with our brain is complicated, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But 
we do move closer to understanding when we talk about it. So I'm glad that we did that. And I hope to have many more conversations such as the one you just heard. But anyway, if you like this episode, please let me know. If you hated this episode, please let me know. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you next week.